On the line with us today, we got Chris Bailey, uh, the author of How to Calm Your Mind. You like the way I slowed that voice down? Oh, yeah, <laughs> very, very, uh, very dulcet, very soporific. Yeah. yeah, it's finding presence and productivity in anxious times. Chris, I have to tell you now, you're the author of, of books previously, Hyperfocus and the Productivity Project. Uh, Project. Um, yeah. You are, I think, by trade, a productivity expert. You speak on that. You write on that. Yeah. Um, I would think the global pandemic was just made to order, if that one can put it in that way, on how to kind of cope with anxiety, because we were all anxious, that, you know, and still are, obviously. Um, did that figure in your book or how did you play that with your, your recent book? Yeah, well, the, this the, this particular project is it's not a book that I intended to write actually. Um, so you know, I, I was doing a talk one day on stage in front of about a hundred people, uh, and I noticed once I got into the talk that beads of sweat started to form on the back of my neck. I I felt myself stumbling, stammering on my words, and I noticed you know shortly into this thing that I was having an anxiety attack on stage in front of about a hundred people. Um, and, you know, deconstructing the pieces after this particular episode in my life afterwards, um, luckily, you know, by the way, I should say I rehearsed the talk a lot, did the rest of it on autopilot mode to a lukewarm reception. I did finish the talk. Um, <laughs> you, li but, you limped through it, right? Okay. Yeah, it was a, yeah. a definite heavy limping. That, that's a good way to phrase it actually. Um, but picking up the pieces after it, you know, I, I was surprised because I thought I was doing a good job of investing in self-care. Uh, I was getting regular massages. My wife and I were going to the spa. I was reading a lot of just good hardcover books. I was meditating quite a bit as well. Uh, but still, this idea, this uh, anxiety had the space um, to metastasize in my life. And I thought, okay, if I'm facing this, um, obviously the self-help traditional stuff isn't working. I need to get to the bottom of the actual research on this subject of anxiety um, led me to a lot of the uh, curious lessons that, that, you know, I have to share in the book, obviously, but also to a lot of lessons on burnout and ideas like uh, how we can enjoy our lives and relax without feeling guilty and just fully uh, savor things. Yeah. Talking with uh, Chris Bailey, the author of how to calm your mind and, Chris, you know, you mentioned burnout, and I yeah. think that's a, a term I think most of us are familiar with. Is that, in your research, is that more prevalent than it used to be, or is there any way of establishing that? Yeah, m most definitely. Um, it, it's difficult to establish simply because of the fact that burnout is is difficult to measure. Um, and we don't have a full understanding of, uh, mo most of us don't have a full understanding of what it is. At least I speak for myself at the beginning of my journey. Uh, I thought of burnout as sort of just exhaustion, uh, but looking at the actual scientific literature on the topic, uh, burnout is not exhaustion. Uh, burnout is three things all at once. Um, and exhaustion is the first of the three, uh, but we need two other characteristics to be true of ourselves at the same time that we're exhausted to be fully qualified as burnt out. Uh, we also need to be cynical. So we need to have this negativity behind what we do. And we need to feel a sense of inefficacy. So we need to feel as though our behavior, our work truly doesn't 
matter. And when all of these are true and our body refuses to mobilize to a stressful situation, we qualify as being burnt out. And burnout is the ultimate manifestation of chronic stress, um, usually in our work. Uh, but the, the fascinating thing as well, and not to go on uh, too much about this idea, but uh, something that would be immediately helpful for somebody who's experiencing this phenomenon, I should say, in, in case somebody doesn't pick up the book, for example, um, is dissecting which areas of our work uh, our burnout is coming from. Because uh, the research, in addition to identifying what burnout actually is, those three characteristics, exhaustion, cynicism, inefficacy, has identified six areas of our life that stress tends to come from that cause burnout. Uh, number one is workload. So the more that our work uh, on our plate eclipses our capacity to do it, the more likely we are to burn out. Second is lack of control. And so the less control we have over when, where, and how we do our work, the more likely we are to burn out. Insufficient reward is number three. And so this relates to money, but it also relates to, to social rewards. So getting recognized for what we contribute. Uh, community is the fourth factor of the six. So the less, the more loosely connected we are with people we work alongside, and in fact, the more we dislike them, uh, the more likely we are to burn out. Fairness is the fifth factor. So the more fairly we're treated and rewarded and assigned work to, uh, the, um, the fairness, you know, the less fair things are, the more likely we are to burn out. And values is the sixth factor. So values are the core of who we are. And when our work is not aligned to who we are and what we value, we're more likely to burn out. So if we value you know, uh, kindness and we find ourselves in a cutthroat, competitive kind of situation at work, uh, we're more likely to burn out because of that misalignment. But essentially, these six areas contribute to this phenomenon of burnout, but it's ultimately the the uh, manifestation of chronic stress. And so it's no wonder, uh, as you mentioned, over these last couple of years that burnout incidents have, have been through the roof. We have more stress than ever before coming from all six of these dimensions. We're talking to Chris Bailey, author of How to Calm Your Mind. And Chris, I found one uh, statement in the book of interesting, and it comes from your expertise, but striving for accomplishment can actually make us less productive. Yeah. Explain yeah, that it, one. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And th this was uh, a, th kind of a, a paradox of productivity that, uh, that I encountered over the course of writing the project, is we have these brain networks that are associated and, and support us in uh, acquiring more. And those networks are reverse correlated. So, you know, when one is activated, the other isn't, um, with the networks that support us in being present and focused on whatever it is that we're doing and whomever it is that we're with. And so it's this fascinating idea that wanting to acquire more actually pulls us out of whatever it is 
that we're striving towards and focusing on. Um, one solution to this is to activate that network, though, uh, that leads us to become uh, more focused on the here and now, on whatever it is that we're doing. And we could actually pair that with another strategy for Calm that leads us to make back time. So that, that that's the beautiful thing about these ideas is the best ideas for calm and for relaxation for that matter too, and for wellness as well. Uh, they lie at kind of this, this sweet spot, this pocket of advice that adds to our productivity over time so we don't have to feel guilty for investing in it. And so savoring is something I, I very briefly mentioned, the process of converting positive experiences into positive emotions. And indeed, it is a skill that we can get better at over time. We can't just like, we, we can just enjoy things, but we can also get better at enjoying things. And one of the most fascinating fields of research is this field of savoring that I found in writing this book. Um, interestingly, women find it easier uh, to savor things than men, and wealthier people find it more difficult to savor things um, than men, but uh, or or than than people who are less well off. Um, but all all we need to do is create a, a savor list, is what I call it, uh, a list of things that. Um, we really want to be present with and truly enjoy in our lives. And we can practice it every day. Talking with Chris Bailey about how to stay calm and, and fight anxiety and stress and all that. And, you know, Chris, I, I'm an old newspaper guy. Yeah. And uh, the uh, one, one of your tips, one of your strategies, uh, I, I got a kick out of because I, I thought this might be a new tack for the, the industry. As an, as you say, as an experiment, subscribe to a physical newspaper while swearing off digital news for a while. Um, you know, they haven't really tried that one yet. The, the newspaper yeah. field. They, be calm. Get a paper. You know, <laughs> let it let it land on your porch and, and peruse it at your leisure and, yeah. instead of the, the digital thing. Yeah, it's, that it, it, I should chat with uh, some of the marketing people from they the need newspapers. Help anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, if there's if there there are some uh, that's still are still there. Yeah, I, I love I love the physical newspaper. It, it is it, it is my it's my favorite subscription service that I subscribe to. Um, how is it in Canada, by the way? Because it's, it is good. It, it's good. I, I tried to sub subscribe to the New York Times, but we can only get the previous day's New York Times in Canada. Uh, hmm. So I, I get the Globe and Mail every day here, uh, as well as the Ottawa Citizen, because I'm in Ottawa. Um, and it, it's actually, you know, the digital world is built around novelty, right? Um, it, it's built around dopamine, this pursuit of, of stimulation. Uh, dopamine being a, a neurochemical that is correlated with the anticipation of pleasure. So dopamine uh, makes us feel as though pleasure is right around the corner continuously, um, which is why we are propelled further and further into distraction in the digital realm. But Calm is found in the analog, I, I find. You know, if uh, if efficiency is found in the digital world, uh, calm and meaning are found in the analog. And a, a physical newspaper is a great way of kind of compartmentalizing our news time because the news uh, can be seen a, as a source of chronic stress in a lot of ways that is hidden in our life. Um, but it leads us to more presence. And let's be honest, mo most of us don't really have a job where we need to 
maybe you do actually, but but most of us don't have a job where we need to stay responsive to world events as they update and unfold every five minutes. Uh, right. For me personally, as a productivity author, you know, your mileage may vary, of course, but a daily briefing dropped off on my doorstep that lets me savor uh, some time in the analog world is more than enough. So simple heuristic, calm is found in the uh, in the analog and efficiency is found in the digital. Both have a place. Um, and by finding more of a deliberate balance between the two, uh, we can uh, become that much more calmer and productive and find that much more meaning too. We're talking with uh, Chris Bailey, author of How to Calm Your Mind. And when you look at your book, the very cover, and I oh. guess we'll credit Penguin for this, um, yes. your publisher, because it, it looks like a, a sea or ocean. Maybe it's uh, just artwork, but, um, you know, it's very calming. Blue, yeah. it's very nice. Well, I have an alternative for you, Chris. Oh. Uh, this is if you want to take the dopamine approach. Yes, um, I do. Don't, you know, in loud, jarring print, don't let the digital world drive you crazy exclamation point yeah yes because many of your points throughout your book and you just mentioned about analog and and uh living you know between the two digital you can't you can't totally drop the internet i suppose because you know it's it's what we live on now but but yeah you you, you've got all these things that you know you, you when you go through your suggestion list of you know hey take a break from news websites email refreshers podcasts um, downloads Twitter, Instagram, you know, that's all, you know, that's all the digital world, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we we're in an era right now. And uh, I find this quite fascinating actually of, of personalized novelty. And so when it comes to dopamine, do- dopamine being, you know, a, a neurochemical that when we over rely on it uh, as a driver of behavior, it tends to overstimulate our mind and lead to an, an incredible amount of anxiety, anxiety in addition to a shorter attention span. And there's essentially three factors that determine the size of a dopamine hit we get from something. Uh, genetics is number one. Uh, and so we all kind of get it, you know, we're all wired differently. And so we all respond differently to different stimuli. Direct effect is number two. Uh, and so the more we're affected by a stimulus, the more dopaminergic it becomes. So finding a $5 bill on the street is novel, uh, but getting a $5,000 pay raise may be just as novel, but it directly affects our life more. We get a bigger dopamine spike from it. Sure. But novelty, like, like you're touching on, um, it is the factor that seems to vary the most with digital stimuli. Um, And we're in this era of personalized novelty. And we can kind of recall a period, um, you know, two, three years ago, where the different feeds we tend to throughout the day, whether that be on Twitter, Instagram, you name it, they went from being chronologically arranged to being algorithmically arranged so that the most novel updates can be at the top because novelty leads to a greater consumption of information. It leads to more time on the app because we get that dopamine hit and because we want to keep coming back for more. Um, and, and so Instagram is now on this timeline. And now we get updates from other people's feeds <laughs> that we don't even follow that the algorithm <laughs> has determined is is quite novel to us as well. And, and so novelty, we, we often go novelty hunting in the digital world as well, sure. uh, where we pick up our phone and bounce between our stable of applications. And and, you know, I write in the book where 
this is this is understandable actually when you understand the way that our mind is wired and the way that our mind rewards us as we consume this kind of information. Uh, but it is a tendency that can lead to anxiety. And there are ways of counterbalancing it um, without, you know, without throwing our phone across, you know, out the yeah. window or. Right. Well, I, I love it from the internet. I love the, uh, some of the tips you've got here because, you know, in, in some cases, people probably haven't thought of this in a while, but they would be so receptive to it. And and what I'm referring to is maybe even write a letter or two to someone, you know, Yeah. and, and you even throw in a fancy fountain pen, you know, oh, uh, yeah. make, make a, uh, you know, make, make an event out of it. And I'm thinking if someone sent me a letter like that, I, I guess it would depend on what's in it, but I mean, it would be <laughs> for, a first be a novelty and then yeah. b it'd be like wow somebody took the time and trouble to do this and uh, you know you'd really uh you'd really be impressed and uh besides that it's a nice test in in terms of well let's see what should i write about <laughs> you know kind of thing so yeah. I, I think that's a great tip that uh anyone could 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 you know benefit from yeah and we kind of have the venn diagram of, of activities that we do throughout the day right we have uh, we we can kind of imagine two circles that meet in the middle one for our analog only activities and the other circle for our digital only activities so analog only is like brushing our teeth or spending time <laughs> in nature um digital only are things like social media email that sort of thing but then in the middle we have all the activities we can do in both writing is definitely up there. Right. Um, you know, uh, how much more meaningful is a letter than an email? Brainstorming, uh, keeping a to-do list, spending time with people in person where we can reach out and touch them on the shoulder instead of, you know, trading dopamine hits with them in some app. Uh, reading right. a cracking open a, a good physical book. That's where meaning is. And and the newspaper, let's not forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of the great supporters of the, of the old printed page. You know, one last thing. Um, we're talking with Chris Bailey, uh, author of How to Calm Your Mind. And that's the uh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of a, a way that people can can be reminded of this. And I thought, you know, when you when you you say goodbye to somebody or you leave them, you often say have a nice day or be safe. I got a new one for you, Chris. Be calm, uh, you know, because there we go. Uh, you know, just a way to kind of reference it. And I just think that's something that, uh, hey, we, we're all needed. You know. Yeah, I'm going to steal that from you if you don't. <laughs> okay, <mind. laughs> very good, Chris Bailey. We we thank you so much for your time and uh, the book again, "How to Calm Your Mind." And uh, we feel a lot better now just having talked to you. Ah, uh, me too. The <laughs> feeling is mutual. Thank you so much for having me. Take care now. You too. Be calm. <laughs> you too. Be calm. <laughs>